Welcome to BimmerCast number 57. It is December 24th, uh, Christmas Eve, no less, and we are going to come at you with a full recap of 2011 today. It's going to be about the cars we've driven, about the cars BMW's released. We're going to have some opinions thrown in there, just all sorts of stuff. Um, really, this is hopefully the definitive show I mean, you and I have been super busy as always. The site continues to, to uh, pump out review after review and news, and, and yet we are, <laughs> we've been too busy for a show lately. Yeah, we're two busy men on two opposite sides of an ocean, which yields not enough show. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're figuring it out here and there, but you know, we're back today, and like I said, we really wanted to do this this review, this sort of like kind of you know let's take a look at 2011 and, and pick out the high points and and michael i think the low points which which we can talk about in, in just a second um but first off we should talk about just i mean we've we haven't been actually um we haven't done a show in a little while and we should talk a little bit about some of the stuff that has happened in the past couple of months uh, the last show we did the three series the f30 had just been released and since then and correct me if i'm wrong but the only new car shown has been the six series grand coupe grand coupe Is yes that right? yeah yeah well officially shown yes absolutely yeah so we've got that um and of course you know the f30 is going to be all we're going to be talking about for a little while uh as far as you know auto shows and just sort of everything else so you know that that's going to be the big news for um for i would say even the first part of 2012 frankly you think they might have planned it that way, Gabe? I think they <laughs> did. I think they are smart. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to talk a lot about that stuff. But that said, I mean, you know, thinking about what's in the news since we last since we last talked, I mean, I think the, let's just start with the 6 Series Grand Coupe. It is, in my mind, and I know, Michael, you and I have, have talked about this, it is a gorgeous, incredibly seductive car. I think it looks great. I mean, they were the last to the game as far as four-door coupes go, but... I think they executed well as far as aesthetics. And I, I have to admit, I was a little concerned. I mean, just stretching a car. I mean, it's not necessarily what they did, of course, but um, stretching a car that is in coupe form just seems odd to me. And you know, some of the early spy photos didn't didn't really persuade me. But seeing the car in motion, I think, was the biggest thing. Uh, seeing it actually drive around and seeing some of the especially the three quarter shots from the rear. It's, it's a utterly, I, I hate to throw this word out because I don't like to throw it out very often, but beautiful car. Yeah. I like it too. The, I just, the only problem I have with the whole damn thing is the front and it's too much six. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not distinctive enough. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's not distinctive enough. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, the rest of the car is fantastic. It's, it really is a great looking car. I have a practicality standpoint. I mean, as 
as far as that goes, I don't know who's sitting in the back, and I definitely don't understand. I don't understand the fifth seat in the middle at all. Neither do I, actually. I'm not entirely sure. Like, why even put the seatbelts there? Except for Gabe. We're going to go a little bit askew here. I know because we now have a mini clubman in the family here. My mm-hmm. wife, uh, she finally won that battle. I just ah. can't deal. I couldn't deal with it anymore. So she, we, we have this mini clubman, and here in Germany, they sell the clubman with a fifth seat in the middle. Yeah, so that's something that we've we've talked about on Modern File from time to time, and that is and you know a what that small is? seat. It's small for non-humans. Like non-humans can fit in that seat because it also takes the seats away from the other people. But the reason, Gabe, is for tax purposes here in Europe and in Germany. Something to do with uh, emissions dividing by the number of occupants in the square really? cubic something of something. Oh yes, it, it it makes it cheaper to pay the wonderful. Illustration. That's really by getting that fifth seat. Yes. So I don't know. Maybe that had a little something to do with it. You know? Huh? Yeah. That, that probably doesn't. I would be. Sh- I would be interested to see what they're going to do in the U.S. market if they're going to actually offer that. Um, I'd also be interested to know what the take rate is on the third on the bench for the X6 in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world for that matter. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, because it took them a while for them to even offer that. Yeah, and it's something that I mean, and, and I'm I'm actually in my office right now, looking down in my driveway uh, at my Countryman, which of course um, is our, our sort of our, our long term motoring file mini currently, and it does not have the bench; it has the uh, the two captain's chairs. And I got to tell you, having two kids in the back of that thing, it is uh, you are literally bursting at the seams. Right, and if you couldn't put anybody in the middle of the two seats. Yeah, there's no, I mean, yeah, there's, and yeah. as much as I love the two caption chairs in the back, I mean, if you have kids or a dog or whatever, the bench is really the, the right choice. Yeah, I definitely hear that. I hear that. But as far as the Grand Coupe goes, I bet it actually drives pretty damn well. It is so low Yeah. for, for a four-door. I don't think I've ever seen a four-door so low. It, it's, it's, yeah, outside of maybe a, a Fisker, or uh, perhaps an Aston Martin. It is so low slung. You're absolutely right. And you know, you, we we know it comes from the coupe, the 650 coupe, and the six, you know, the 640 coupe. And I, I think you and I both share this. That those are great cars. They they are incredibly fast. Um, they're quite composed, and of course, you know, they are incredibly stylish. Uh, basing a four door off of that car, you have to hit a home run from it. And I think they actually have from aesthetics. Absolutely. So, I love it. And I, I'm not a fan of anything like this. And I like this. I yeah. like the Fisker more, but that's Agreed. a whole different story. Agreed. And I do too. I think the Fisker is just one of those cars that, um, and I would put it up there with maybe the 458 Italia that comes along yeah. once in a generation that it's it's so universally just, well, I mean, you can't not look at it and just be blown away by the packaging, the design, the proportions, everything. It's just gorgeous. It's what, in my mind, I mean, you think about what BMW has done. They based it off of a platform that they had already created. Uh, they had a lot of different things that they had to think about. Yada, yada, yada. Um, Fisker didn't have any of that. They just went out and created the most beautiful and and uh, elegant four-door, you could call it a coupe, but four-door sedan they could possibly create. And they have created something that I think is almost, it's almost kind of going to, in my mind, define the next generation of, of, of good four-door design. Oh, I agree. And, you know, it's almost with the 
Fisker crap out with the batteries and the electric and you build that car with a gasoline motor, I think they'd sell them like hotcakes. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, you know, that said, it's it's not a bad, I mean, it's, it's decent as far as, you know, performance. Uh, the MPG isn't as good as they had hoped, but, you know, it's it's got a decent four-cylinder. Um, it's got the Fisker battery propulsion system in the back. Anyway, it's a, it's a really interesting car. And, you know, that, whether you like it or not, that is absolutely a competitor to the 650 Grand Coupe. That is, that is you know, right around the same cost. The exciting part for all this for me, Gabe, is that M is supposedly, from everything I've heard, working on an M6 Grand Coupe. And I think that will be incredible. In fact, I would say, talk about upstaging the M5. I think, in my, for my for my money, if I'm a, you know, if I'm an ex, whatever, if I'm a guy who can afford an M5, and more than likely I have a wife at home who has, you know, an X5 or something else. The M5 is just for me, uh, you know, to to haul golf clubs and maybe haul buddies around or business trips or you know, sort of business launches, whatever. Why am I not getting the six series Grand Coupe in M form? I mean, it it, it satisfies almost all of that that need. Plus, it gives me uh, a uniqueness and just again, just incredible dose of style. So that's. That's my thought anyway. Um, so the Grand Coupe, I mean, we're expecting that thing to, to hit dealers, what, in, uh, in June 2012? Yeah, I think, I think that sounds about right, yeah. Um, prices, of course, haven't been announced in the U.S. I'm guessing low 70s, yeah, yeah for the 640. Uh, euros in, I believe, Germany. You're guessing low 70s? I'd say 73,000. Really? That's, that's actually lower than I expect. Seventy three thousand and six forty. I, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the one to get too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I that, that motor is fantastic. Yeah. And this the six fifty I've no knock on it. It's just it's it's a little too much, I think, for something like that. Well, and you know, that said I I had a and I've written about it, uh reviewed the car and um had a chance to be with the six fifty for a good long weekend in Monterey at speed week last year and uh, that car with that engine is just with the the eight speed automatic sounds terrible but uh, it's incredible it's an incredible combination so you can hey don't knock that eight speed automatic gabe no i'm not i'm saying it's incredible like i mean i can't believe it but (laughs) that eight speed in fact i just a long story but i just got out of a uh, a gti with a dual clutch uh transmission car's got 25,000 miles on it. It literally just was driving it just before this podcast. 25,000 miles on it. And I got to tell you, that thing feels like I just, I, I told the owner, I'm like, whatever you do, uh, make sure they replace this transmission before your warranty's out because it does not sound good. It just, it feels very brittle. And the eight-speed auto in BMWs and even the current three series just is, is it feels as fast as responsive, but it's much more smooth. It feels like something that's much more robust, robustly built. Oh, it shifts just as fast as the the dual clutch. You're absolutely right. And you can skip shift and you can choose whatever gear you want to go into. I'm just in love with the thing. Yeah, oh. it's really incredible. <laughs> so let's move on. we got a ton of stuff to talk about. And I think a couple of things I wanted to, to uh, before we kind of talk about our highs and lows of the year, um, are really some of the some of the latest news stories. And one of the things that we, we probably should talk about is one of those things that's happened since we last chatted is the pricing for the three series in the U S and also the way BMW North America is breaking down the different lines. 
Are you going to get me pissed off now? <laughs> yes, let's talk about it because I think I think a lot of people are are really upset about this. I think to some degree, you know, for me, like I look at this and say, well, I'm just going to get the M Sport. Well, I just can not buy one. Well, or you could do that, or you could just get a CPO to you know whatever. But I think I think for for me, um, I like the notion of having those three different lines. It's like prepackaged for a lot of people, you know. Like I just want. It's this like buying a Lexus. Right. So, but they tried to what they tried to do is they tried to create three lines that it still gave it a, sort of this distinctive flavor and had, had sort of a, like a distinctive like BMW quality to it. Now, which is cool, problem, Gabe. I'm not. I'm not knocking that, Gabe. Yeah, That's I think cool. it's. I think it is cool. The, now, the problem that people have with it is the fact that I cannot buy certain options a la carte. Listen, I've had one, two, three, four, not including the M3, three series, all had sports seats, Gabe. Yeah, that's that's brutal. So explain the problem, Michael, because I think there's been a lot of talk about this. Let's talk about the actual issues uh, about the new three series and the ordering process and et cetera, et cetera. The the three twenty eight for the record starts off at thirty five seven seventy five, and the three thirty five starts off at forty three two seventy five. Prices are um, up a little bit here and there. Uh, seven, more more standard features. I mean, the car is packaged as far as the build and everything goes in the car. It's not even like on the same planet as the yeah. E90. More car for it's your not. money. No question Oh, yeah. About it. But, Much better deal. But... but this is where I cue you. <laughs> but, yeah. For example, my beautiful wife would probably go for, say, I don't know, a white modern car with those cool textured wood. Probably would want to get the sports seats, xenon headlights, um... And, you know, a couple other extraneous options. Can't do it, Gabe. Can't really? do it. So, can't do it. So you can't get the sports. You can't get sports seats. Good yeah. luck. So, I mean, so that's just that's just crazy to me. It's retarded. Yeah. Well. It's retarded. Well, and, I, you know, and that's, that's a decision that the brand manager makes for the 3 Series the line. Yes. You know, we um, – I don't, I don't know – what the deal is, I don't know who the, the individual is, and I'm sure they have good reasons for what they did, but they've kind of shafted a lot of people, I think, that are people that have been in BMWs for a long time. I understand they're going after a different market now. The car is pretty much packaged in a way that the general public can stand it. You know, they that's that's the truth a lot of people always felt the steering oh it's too harsh or the suspension was a too rough and i mean you get into the new three series it's standardized into comfort mode as soon as you push the start button it's in comfort it's what the general public wants you drive so it your car drives question, fantastic this, can you I, change that no you can't it drives me nuts I, that's the thing so i don't have a problem with that i mean you know that as a bmw enthusiast and and i would even say loyalist I don't have a problem with BMW trying to sell cars. I think it's, you know. It's no, it keeps them in business and keeps them not being sob. Right, exactly, exactly. And I don't have a problem with them going after a broader, you know, a broader population if they can still cater to me, which more or less BMW has done. Now, I think the problem is sometimes I don't know how they miss this opportunity, but for God's sake, you, you, hit, on, you, you hit the nail on the head, Michael. Give me an option to allow sport setting to be default. Allow me to create a car through your software and allow me to make that car my own rather than having to go and continuously turn things on and off as I get in the car. You know, M does it well with the M button. 
but yeah, to some, you know, it's on the wheel. Degree, it needs to be a simpler system for the non M cards. I, I mean, it maybe just needs to default to where I was. Just at least give me that option with my key. You know, allow my key to be the you know the sort of the, the identifier of who I am and how I've set up my car. As it is with FM stations, as it is with like seating adjustments, whatever. Yeah, and I have a feeling that the problem is emissions. I think you're probably right. I just and I'm sure there's some stupid law that says the car has to be blah blah blah. You know, same thing with stability control. You know, you and I get in the car, you hit the DTC button, and it's automatically. You know, it, it's 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 out. It's off. It's not there anymore. Right. I mean, my one M. I have a I have a startup procedure. You know, it's turn the car on, hit right? The, hit the MDM and hit the M button. And, and I mean, right. And that's and that's that's the thing. And now with these new cars, um, you have to have a even more elaborate startup procedure because of the rocker switch, and you have to select this. And if you don't, it's like. I don't know. You you can read my review, but I'm not a big fan of any of these new cars in the comfort setting. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the comfort setting, like you said, it makes sense, you know, for a broader population. But it, God, I mean, it, it doesn't feel to me when I'm driving it in comfort setting like a BMW. I think that's the issue that I have more more than anything, and I think that it should default to normal, and normal should be. You know, Sport. just a hint, yeah, hint sportier or a little bit more sportier than, you know, the competition because it's a BMW. So, Gabe, you want to order option number 481, which is sport seats included in package only for sport line. So, so you can't even build a base car. Like, you know how they said, mm -hmm. oh, you can still build a base car and build it the way you want without having to get one of these packages, mm -hmm. these lines. Load of crap. Yeah, sport seats are a must. And I have to tell you, as somebody who's been, I've been shopping um, C, uh, CPO wagons lately, kind of looking around a little bit. And I, I mean, the, of course, very rare cars to begin with, um, but it has to have the sport, you know, the sport seats or the sport package because I will not own a BMW without them. That's how good they are. Yeah, I totally agree. And the other thing, Gabe, now say, you know, you and I have uh, decided that we're going to build a Bimmerfile 328 track car hypothetically speaking. And we want to go low end here. We want to get a 328 stripped with sport seats, leatherette, but we want the sport suspension, Gabe. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. So you can't order a la carte sport suspension. Or what about the M, the M sport suspension? The adaptive M suspension? Yes. That might be a possibility, but I don't want the adaptive M suspension, Gabe. <laughs> I want spring rates. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Well, so it's going to be interesting. I think I have a feeling, this is just my hunch. I have no inside information on this. I have a feeling that some of this stuff is going to get sorted out in year two. In year two, which would be September. Yep. I, I just have a feeling that there's going to be enough annoyance. Well, no, it won't be year two. I apologize for saying that. It won't be year two. It'll just be rev two of rev year two, one. Right. Sort of 1.1, if you will. I, I just have a feeling that, you know, that, that, they're, they're just trying to get the car out. They're trying to make it as simple as possible. They know that the dealers, I mean, the people, the vast majority of people who are going to be ordering these cars are people behind, you know, behind desks of dealers. And they're trying to give them the easiest possible way to order an enormous amount of cars. So Yeah, no, yeah, yeah you have That's like, my yeah. hunch. I, yeah, I, hope, I, I hope that's correct. I hope that, you know, come September, um, some things change and suddenly, voila, we can, we can order our sports seats with our... With our well, I can, and like no other options, um, because I can tell you, Gabe, that the the three twenty eight is amazing. I'm I'm in love with the engine. Mm -hmm. I'm in love with that 
the whole setup. It's fantastic. The car well, looks great. Everything about it is great. I love the whole thing. It's the packaging that's just annoying me. And after reading your review, Michael, I went from thinking about CPO'd five series wagons to maybe I should just wait another, you know, year and just so, wait for the wagon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. The, the coolest thing about the car is it's almost like the chassis guys made the car very almost neutral, almost mm -hmm. neutral, because now stability control is required everywhere, pretty much. You know, yeah. like every major market requires stability control, so they can build the safety into the st stability control instead of the chassis. Right. You know, imagine if you had a 135 that didn't plow through every corner. Well, the 135. You know, <laughs> it's almost. You like know, that's. That's you know what I mean. That's what I mean. It's it, it's yeah. kind of like if they built that from the ground up to be balanced. <laughs> it's almost it's interesting because I think I truly think that the last car that BMW had, the last three series that was like that, was the E36. Yeah, and I think the right. E46 was a little bit you know was was a little bit plow happy, if you will. E90, I'd say even a little bit more so. And now I, I love this notion that the car's gotten bigger, it's gotten longer. Um, overhangs, thank you, pedestrian laws have gotten longer, yet it, it's more neutral now, and it's lighter. And it's lighter. And you know what? It's very economical, and I think the American, the U.S. driver is going to love the new four-cylinder motor because you will not tell it's four-cylinder at mm -hmm. all until you get up, you know, 6,800 RPMs, which nobody in the U.S. really drives at. And, haven't and driven, it has haven't driven torque that so thing. low. Yeah, that's exactly my point. They haven't driven that thing. Like it's it feels so much faster because of the torque. Yeah, it's quicker. It's it's great. I mean, everything about that thing. Yeah, oh, it's just. It's and and sell. again, oh. not to, not I I, I it's it's killing me to say this, but with the with the eight speed auto, it's such a a solid combination because you can flick the flappy paddles and be Schumacher, or you can just let it go in auto and not even think. Either way, you're having a great time. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I agree wholeheartedly because uh, I'm not an automatic person at all, and I buy the automatic. Yeah, I'd have a hard time not, you know, given the given the duty of the car. If I was buying something just for myself, it'd probably be a manual. But um, you know, as a commuting car, family car, etc., it'd be hard not to go with that that auto. So, really quick, let's change it up. Talking about the three series, you can't help but wonder about what's going to happen with the M version. Um, we have seen a lot of videos, a lot of photos of a four-door M3, clearly F30 based. And of course, there's rumors initially that they wouldn't bring a four-door out on the market. Um, are, are we? Is this is this actually happening, Michael? I mean, a are they going to do an M3 four-door again? That's the first. Yes. Question. Yes. So then the next question is, please, please tell me there's not a V6 under the hood. Uh, it'll be codenamed F80 and. <laughs> It's like pulling teeth to find out what's under the hood of that thing. Um, yeah. It's a six-cylinder. They've pretty much outlawed uh, V8s at this point, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a V6. You know, a lot of people are floating the idea that they can just take the M5 motor and lop off two cylinders, creating a V6. Yeah, but you got to build a whole new block for that, and that mm -hmm. just seems not to be what they want to do. So um, I have a, a strong belief that it'll be n55 based and they're going to do some yeah. pretty cool stuff with turbos i do too i i just would i find it hard to believe that they wouldn't just take what's already been created in the n55 and just build it out to, to something spectacular much like again thinking about the formula that's already been done much like what what m has done with the, the v8 and the m5 
Yeah, and you know, not not to totally change subjects completely, but we also have to look at racing. Um, the M3 was given a V8, so it would do really well in Le Mans, and it would do really well in ALMS because you know they had the GTR version, the generation before V46, and the the ruling body said, "Hey, you can't do that anymore." So BMW said, "Fine, we'll just put a V8 in the M3 and call it a day." Mm-hmm. You know, now with uh, the way racing is going and all these other things happening, it'll be interesting to see what new rules come down. And uh, BMW is really focusing on DTM. I mean, you know, Joey Joey Hand, fantastic driver, good guy. No, yeah. you know, met him a bunch of times. He's I now see. he's now a, he's now a DTM guy. That's awesome he's, to me, though. It's fantastic. You know, I think I think I think you're right. I think what DTM is doing is it, it's giving the manufacturers leeway to create what they all want and not have to tie the uh, the race cars too strictly to the product they sell and it gives them flexibility again there is going to be there's going to be more gap between what's on the track and what's on the road because of regulations yeah and DTM you know it's kind of interesting it's uh they're allowed to do certain things with certain parts like the the engine and things like that but uh the chassis is identical they're allowed to be within a certain percentage of the production car as far as aero goes and tires are standardized and realistically they revamped the whole racing to make it more cost effective Mm -hmm. and you know how, how much better is it for BMW to be in a racing situation between their biggest competitors um, worldwide? I'm not talking in the U.S., but you have Mercedes, Audi, and BMW racing in. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. To me. I think, yeah. I think the key is getting DTM in the U.S. And of course, it's coming in 2013. There are plans for that. And I think thinking about 2013, I mean, you know, is that when BMW pulls the plug on ALMS? 2013 would be also the year that the M3 coupe is no longer in production, Gabe. So then you have to wonder, the the DTM, the car we've seen already, does that get morphed from the E90 platform, the E92, to this F80? Just a thought. Yeah, well, I don't know. The, DT, the DTM is going to be in current form for two years and then be refabricated, yes. Because it, realistically, it's only the outside body shell that would have to be changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you are. So let's let's move on. I think that's a definitely a developing story. Um, a couple other things that have happened. Speaking of them, we've had these teasers now for this X6 M550D. I think that's what it's going to be called. I'm not 100 percent sure yet, um, but it is it is that rumored M-tuned diesel that BMW is going to use in the X6, and also again rumored in the 5 Series. Rumored in the five series, uh, it'll be six grand coupe. Oh, six grand coupe. There you go. That's it. So this. Oh, you're right. I am reading right now, and I wrote this for God's sake. So, rumored output: 381 horsepower and 516 foot-pound of torque. Uh, reportedly, it's a tri-turbo inline wow. six. And really, the the, the big question. Is, hey, wait. Can you say that again? It's well. It's rumored to be a a, a triple turbo. In line six, is that in in line in line six? Yeah, no, that's that's something that somebody that is named Michael floated a long time ago for something that's called an M three. Hmm. There you go. Interesting. M seems to recycle ideas. We'll just go with that. Well, so the the cool thing to me is that 
you have this this i mean Al, alpina has done diesels but m has never touched them this is this is a, a completely new chapter for him yeah actually uh earlier this year i had the privilege of talking with jens marquette who's head of bmw motorsport and uh, we were talking about the co- collaboration between m and motorsport and how tight they really are and my question to him was is, well, motorsport has never done anything with diesel have they and he said to me, no, not really. We've built a couple of Nuremberg cars, like uh, 24-hour Nuremberg race cars, mm-hmm. but never actually done anything with diesel. And um, he said, but at that time, he said he laughed and he's like, uh, but, you know, that might be changing. Interesting. So, Very interesting. So, so, yeah, no, this is the first time they've done anything really for the public consumption. Yeah, and we'll see, of course, U.S. sales, uh, still a mystery. I. I'd be surprised if it made it, um, given the low volume nature of the of the engine. But I guess we'll see. You no, know, I don't see the I don't see the market for that. Yeah, neither do I. Unfortunately, um, so let's move on. Uh, really quick, another M, M news M three competition edition was was released. Um, you know, this is of course these uh, these these editions. The the other yeah, it's, it's similar to the other editions. You know, it does have I I think a little bit more in the way of uh, I dare I say bespoke quality to it or bespoke parts to it um a little less chrome in fact there's no chrome anywhere that i can see and uh you know some interior accoutrement if you will um but it is underneath everything just an m3 with a competition package (laughs) yeah so with that said moving on um it, it looks cool it does look cool i mean listen if i've got a ton of a ton of money to spend and i'm you know dead set to get an m3 not a bad M3 to have. So, I would still go with a custom color, Gabe. I would go with fire orange if I'm spending money, though. That's right. Fire orange. Build the fire orange car. Put some black BMW M performance wheels on it. Throw the exhaust on it. And you've already saved yourself money and got a cooler car. I agree. I totally agree. If, uh, yeah, if anybody wants Michael or I to help spec your M3 appropriately, let us know via the, con- the, the uh, comment section or the... Uh, contact section so moving on a couple other things we we talked about the m3 the m5 we've uh, talked about of course um but let's talk about the little guy the 1m uh, i just i just completed in fact i just ticked off three three thousand miles on my 1m before right before it was put away for the winter and um it was named by uh jeremy clarkson as the uh, i'm using quotes here most fun car of 2011 uh, michael we've named it the the best car released from bmw to dealers actually for sale in 2011 <laughs> yes um i love the ca- i love that? the caveat i love the caveats well it's like it's yeah it's kind of funny it's like you know it's hard to it's hard to judge it against an m5 which hasn't been sort of you know hasn't actually been released i mean i'm using evo rules you know evo the way they do their their car of the year is essentially any car that's actually i like it and and is on sale and I think at this point, I mean, BMW has enough cars now that we can legitimately actually create, you know, name a best BMW of 2011. I think 2012 is going to be interesting. Insane. But, you know, for 2011, uh, in my mind, nothing has uh, quite matched it. But let's talk about that in just a second with highs and lows of the, of the year. Um, and that really the only other thing that I wanted to, to talk about, two other things, um, three other things, actually, run flats. And Michael, you're you've driven it. I just want to know really quickly the F30. Is it that much better? Are the run flats that much better? Yes. So it's, it's that mean, simple. We've finally gotten to the point now where run flats, yeah, take take cost away at least, 
they are the same as a standard tire as far as comfort. Standard low profile tire, yes. Interesting. Um, and then and then finally, uh, two other things, and this is just really we've got to we've got to throw this out there. BMW has on a sales tear right now, best third quarter ever, and they are uh, selling selling everything they can to beat Mercedes and Lexus uh, in the U.S. for the uh, luxury sales ground for 2011. It's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, I don't put much stock into it because Lexus didn't build cars for four months. Right, but BMW, even before that, BMW last year had their internal forecast showed them beating out Lexus. So they were they were pretty sure, and Lexus sort of, I think they seeded it, and they've sort of blamed the, the issues they've had um, in Japan, of course, for that. But you know, who's to say? I think, I think at the end of the day, BMW is, is selling more cars than ever. And in a, in a slight uh, interesting ironic twist, BMW just signed an agreement with Toyota to actually collaborate on hybrid technology and in turn give <laughs> four-cylinder diesels to Toyota. Yeah, it's interesting because really, Gabe, what that comes down to is the European market. People do not buy hybrids here. They look at it as um, a joke. I'm not even fabricating that, but it's a very complicated system that really doesn't yield much better performance or economy than a diesel. And um, so they're not selling very well here. So um, they had to do something mm -hmm. to get their numbers down. Uh, for emissions and uh, BMW makes the best diesels there are known to mankind. So and it was a far pretty good pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting and um, but a caveat of that whole deal is that Lexus cannot use any of the BMW technology Really interesting. Well, there you have it um, So let's let's talk about highs and lows. So we got through the news um, Let's let's uh, let's take a sort of like a second here and, and readjust for the second half of the show and think about 2011 just in general. I mean, it's been it's been a great year. We've done a ton of stuff. Michael, you've moved a continent. Um, you have, of course, traveled to Spain a couple of times to drive some cool cars. I've I've had quite a few cars and experiences myself. Um, just a ton to really think about. Just tell me. I'm just curious. What, what are your high points for 2011? My high points for 2011 would be the BMW M5 is at the top of the uh, the list by far. It's amazing what they've done, and uh, it just blows my mind. So there's you know the, there's of course been a ton of, of praise for that car. There's also been a little bit of of uh, criticism as well. I mean, I think of Chris Harris and and the Evo car that you're talking about uh, the fact that there's no getting around the fact that it's a heavy car and because of that it will never be perfect well I, I think it's more of it's a big car because mm -hmm. you don't feel the weight um, and I, I, I'm not sure if he goes into that and uses the term heavy or uses the term big but it's, it's a large car and it's the size does make it feel a little bit less uh, involving, I guess you could say, you know, you don't feel cocooned in the car like you do in a one M, you know, you're not part of the car as but, much. You know, I guess my, my problem with that is, I mean, even the E39 was, was a heavy car, you know, the, you know, M5s have been big cars for quite a while. Now, granted, this is the biggest, uh, unfortunately, but, um, it's not like you've gone from this lightweight four door to something, na you know, nasty, huge. I mean, the last one, the E60 was a big car. Yeah, and I mean, and actually, I think over the weight of the previous M5, it's only 125 pounds heavier. So, 
uh, with a lot more performance. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just you have to classify that car as what it's for. I mean, it's for an executive who's going to drive to work and probably have clients in the backseat sometimes, you know, or a realtor or whoever. And then they have a magic M button that creates this monster that's just, A, it's the, it's the fastest car I've ever driven outside of a, um, a blown dragster and the GTR by far. I mean, it, that, that's the God's honest truth. The thing is so fast. Um, but at the same time, it's composed and it handles, it handles like it's much smaller. It really does. Um, and I think people will be really surprised to see how really well it will do on a big track. I, I think it's just going to be mind bending when the numbers come out from the ring if they haven't already come out. But um, I, I just really have a good feeling about the, that car. And um, I know there's been some somebody just did a review or something with the car being in limp mode with the turbos and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, from what I gather, that test was done at very high altitude. And when you're doing high altitude runs with turbos and you're not moving enough air and, and all that, sure, they're going to get hot. But when you're in the baking hot sun of southern Spain and beating the snot out of a car and you, the temperature gauge doesn't even move, I, I don't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think high points for me, uh, if I could name the high point, high, high point, um, I mean, this is a little bit, this is a little bit personal, but I mean, probably taking delivery of my one M was not only the high point of this year, but the high point of probably many years to come. Um, you know, taking, taking that aside, just thinking about the cars I've driven in general and the experiences I've had, uh, one M on the track was fantastic. You know, you were there, Michael, but really <clears throat> the thing that stands out to me as far as experiences, not cars, but experiences was my drive, my hour and a half, two hours in the 1973 three-liter CSL driving down Carmel Valley Road just outside of Monterey, California. Um, I started the drive, you know, with with the assumption that the car had 120,000 miles on it and, uh, you know, was, was a nice example. Uh, and... Uh, I have to be honest, I drove the snot out of it. I mean, I drove the car as it was designed and meant to be driven down one of the best roads I've ever been on and uh, just had an incredible, magical time, came back, and then was subsequently told, no, it's actually only got 20,000. It didn't turn over. The odometer hasn't turned over. And those are kilometers, which 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 really makes it about 13,000 miles, roughly. And, oh, and by the way, it's worth at least $300,000. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So l luckily I didn't know that before I took it out. And, um, I think, you know, thankfully, uh, I had, uh, one of the best experiences I've probably had behind the wheel of a car at all. And that has to be the highlight as far as driving experiences go, uh, for the year. I've had tons of them, but in my mind, nothing really is going to capture that, uh, you know, ever going to beat that really for me, um, as far as 2011. Yeah, the I, I have a, a B, a one B, and it's going to be surprising, but it's actually the six fifty. Really? So my I you okay? Then I think you and I are gonna we're gonna bore each other because we're gonna talk about the same one B. Well, it's actually the six uh, the six forty um, coupe. I'm I hate to say it, I actually like the six series now, so I guess that makes me a dentist. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
but it's okay. I mean, because for me, the, the, the car that shocked me more than anything, and maybe I'll just throw it under that category. The most surprising of 2011 for me was the 650. And this car that was, is the antithesis of everything that I have in, in, you know, over the years sort of stood for it's big, it's heavy, it's unnecessarily a two door, you know, it's all these things that, that I don't particularly, uh, you know, find attracted to. And my God, I loved it. I mean, from the looks, um, inside and out from the way it felt, the way it, it you know, the way it actually, um, you know, put my head in the headrest violently, um, from the way that when I was passed by Ferrari FF in Monterey during speed week on a, on a, I will not name the curvy high speed road and was able to stay with them for longer than I expected. Um, that car is probably faster than the M3. Well, I don't doubt it because the 640 will keep up with the M3 until 120 miles an hour. I mean, it, it, the, the amount of torque and of course adhesion is just incredible. It makes you feel like you can do pretty much anything in that car. In fact, the only thing that lets the 650 down, and I'd say even the 640 for that matter, are the run flat tires. They, they completely yeah. ruin the ride of that car. You're, you're probably 100% correct, actually. <laughs> but now, Gabe, my, my fail for the year, or least happy moment, was going to surprise, I think, everyone. Uh-oh. The 330 Sport Wagon. Really? So you, see, you, you reviewed that car on, uh, on Bimmerphone. I mean, I, I, I would definitely see that because your review is a little bit, a little bit tepid, but that's, that does surprise me. Yep. Disliked it completely. Really and that is because to me, the motor is just not what the new ones are. Mm -hmm. And I had some high expectations for that N53 direct injected inline six free revving, naturally aspirated motor. Yeah. And to me, it was just such a letdown because yeah. it wasn't motivating. It's, it's so funny because, I mean, that, that engine is, um, is revered in the U.S. Of course, we can't get it anymore. And, you know, it was available for um, a modified version was available for a year on the 330 here in 2006. Yeah, we, we, never, had, we never had the direct injection version, which right. is supposed to give better throttle response and a little bit more torque and all that great efficiency stuff. And yeah, that's I really didn't see any of that. I didn't really see any of it. I mean, the, and then the car itself, the interior is very dated. I still like the outside, and I love the, the steering feel and everything else. But mm -hmm. the, to me, the, the motor, you know, I actually have to stop calling it a motor, Gabe. It's, it's just a bad habit, and I have to, like, zap myself all the time. Mm -hmm. So what motor trend, what is motor trend going to do? I mean, they really can't call it a motor. I mean, they're just going to review electric cars, but I dig Call it a drivetrain um, drive trend. Drivetrain drive trend. Yeah, we could do that. But, um, drive module. Yeah. Trend. I'll, I'll speak in sort of uh, German English. It was uh, drive module. Yeah, it was uh, it was a bit not exciting. So I so that did surprise me, and I, I guess I don't. I'm not totally surprised having read your, read your review, but um, I guess mine would be a little bit more obvious. I mean, the car that I drove, the BMW I drove this year, that was probably well. You know what? Actually, I I take it back. I mean, I was going to say the X3, but. You know, the X3 is what it is. I mean, that shouldn't surprise me. I mean, frankly, it's the best X3 I've ever driven. So I can't oh. call it disappointing. Um, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the most disappointing moment for 2011 for me was driving the E28 M5. 
Wow. That's yeah. almost that's just more shocking than me not liking a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> the E twenty eight M five I drove, um, I think it had some issues. I mean I, I you know, listen, like caveats here. I, I think that uh it had I think it had a miss. Um the brakes I think could have been a little bit better. But just in general, having having owned a very well sorted five thirty five IS with uh, you know, a, a, a aggressive header, different exhaust, some light suspension work. And then getting in the E twenty M five, I, I just expected to be, oh, okay, now I get it. Like this is the M five. This is where M came from. You know, this is the the blueprint for every M car since. And I got in the car and it felt it felt good, you know, it, it felt faster, it felt better. Um, but it, it didn't like, it didn't blow me away. It just, it was just a little bit faster. You had to wind the hell out of it. And, and when you did, you got up in the upper, upper, uh, rev range. And I, I know I'm going to get an email for this, but you could, you could, oh, you, you actually got to the moment where it's like, oh, okay, that's that there's the M engine. That's what I've been waiting for. But I got to tell you for a lot of the rev range, it's not special. And and it pains me to say it because, you know, this is a car that is revered in so many uh, in so many circles, even outside of BMW enthusiasts. And and I was I, I had a great time. I drove the thing. God, I drove the thing up Highway One. I mean, it's almost a situation where it's all, it's like a scenario where you can't not but you know come away loving the car you were driving. And I I have to I have to expect a lot of it was expectation. I, I just had this expectation and assumption that this car would be this thing that would stay with me forever, this experience that would, you know, that would be imprinted in my mind. And it is, but it's not necessarily because the car was the best thing I've ever driven. It was it was good. It just didn't blow me away. See, and here I honestly, Gabe, I was putting money on, I have money on my desk here. I was putting money on the fact you were going to say, I took the X5 and X6M at Laguna Seca and I hated it. You know, it's funny though. I, I did. I mean, those are. It's that's it, actually, that's actually really. Damn, I um, I lost money against myself. Well, but I mean, those weren't the most disappointing things. I mean, I don't expect to drive an X six M after an M five M five or I should say M three, and you know, I guess the cat's meow. I mean, the driving the M six after the M three, of course, is a terrible mistake because it it feels it does not feel like an M product. I mean, after you drive a 1M and an M3, and then you get a you know, X5M or X6M, and BMW, the folks at BMW were even saying that, don't drive them before because those cars ruin you, and they will ruin that car for you. But, you know, that said, I mean, um, the damn thing cornered. It was fast. It was effortless. I mean, you know, it was too heavy. Uh, Laguna Seca exposed a lot of issues with weight um, very clearly on the X6M. Uh, and... But it's it's all expected, you know. That that is to me like the nature of the beast, quite literally. Oh boy. <laughs> so anyway, so that's it. I mean, Laguna Seca was probably also one of the highlights. Uh, driving all the M cars and um, coming away with this uh, incredible appreciation for the one M after after driving the M three and. Again, you know, there, there, there's no, there's no way you could drive the 1M and the M3 and think that the M3 isn't the better technical car. Um, I had such a great time with the M3 at Laguna, especially, in, especially with the DCT. 
but uh, my God, I had fun in that one app. What a, I mean, what a blast that car is uh, at Laguna. So it's uh, it's the most funnest car of the year. It is the most funnest car of the year. It's my car of the year. It's 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 Bimmer Files car of the year, and uh, it is it is probably um, as of this writing, it's got to be completely sold out. Almost pretty much. Oh yeah, everywhere. I mean, it, I think uh, yeah, it's been sold out for a it's while. It's been sold out for a while, yeah. But I think even even outside of the the U.S., so the one M is over. It's gone. Um, really, the the M the M flag is going to be waved by the M M five and the M three for two thousand and twelve. Not counting, of course, the crossovers. Uh, we have the M six coming, Gabe, which will debut in convertible form at Detroit if. Oh, Geneva. I'm here in Geneva. Well, I was going to say rumors. If rumors are believed, it'll be Detroit. But, you know. My belief with that car that that was spied, quote unquote, by Auto Spies. Uh Um, San Marino Blue um, convertible was, I believe, a a U.S. engineering car, which obviously you know the the engineering division of the MBM North America runs these cars around for a while for EPA testing and just right. general, you know, I mean, there's been X1s there for 18, 20, 18 oh, months, yeah, two absolutely. years for, for a while. So, I mean, um, just interesting. I guess there was probably a mistake somewhere along the uh, chain of communication there in Germany to put camo on that car, but that's just my belief. Yeah. Um, but because uh, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to bring a show car in with the regular cars and not, they usually have an entourage for world premieres you know like yeah comes in in an airplane it gets picked up at the hangar la 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 so <laughs> I, I see that more as a uh, car that's going to be shown in, in geneva and from what i gather i believe that to be the case mm-hmm. yeah okay with the well, grand coupe and uh the x335 d oh did i say that out loud yeah you did i keep that quiet well, <sighs> yes let's I think I think we're gonna have a hell of a year. 2012 is gonna be really interesting. Um, yeah, obviously for a lot of reasons, but I I think the car that I'm most looking forward to has got to be has got to be um, just the three series. Just just in general, I know the Grand Coupe is gonna be incredible, but seeing the new three series on the roads, you know, sports seats aside, um, driving it uh, looks like we're gonna be driving it at uh, again at Laguna Seca and going out to Monterey with it. Um, I'm just I'm super excited to see this thing because I think it it really moves the needle. It's progressive, even though it looks evolutionary. Yeah, it's right. it's a big it's a big step. But I you know the U.S. doesn't see the one series hatch, which I love, and um, I think that was the biggest step as far as where they're going with the smaller cars. Yeah. It's a, it's a big uh, departure from the past where you had to get into a five series or a six series or a seven series mm-hmm. to get some of the added features. You can get everything now across mm-hmm. the line, which is a great, great thing for a lot of people. But I also gave, I mean, this year we have the M6, uh, this coming year, M6 coupe and convertible, the grand coupe. So the six series is going to be really busy. We have the seven series refresh, X6 refresh. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the X6M also getting a refresh. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if um, M does something special with uh, the new six series motor. Yeah. And tune it up a notch. I, I would expect they will. Should be, it should be fun. Should be really fun to see, actually. 
Well, we've. Uh, I feel like I, th- I feel like we've thoroughly gone over 2011. I can't believe we did it. It it has been uh, a full hour of it. Hour of goodness, and hopefully, yeah. people that are in the snow are driving on snow tires. Yes, get your snow tires. Get off your your summer tires. It's winter, for God's sake. It's it's cold. Your snow, your summer tires turn square in the winter. I don't know if you know that. It's like a big wheel. Exactly. Um, so with that said, we're going to, we're going to, I think our, our new year's resolution is to do more Bimmercast for 2012. So try to, try to look for those. Uh, again, we're going to try to get schedules sorted so we can do that. But, um, you know, until then, I mean, it's been, it's been a great 2011, Michael, thanks for everything you've done, of course. And, uh, you know, it's been a ton of fun. Congrats to, uh, to you for, uh, the big move and, and good luck in the new oh, year. Thank you, Gabe. Congrats to you. All right. as well all righty well on that note we will of course um be back relatively soon um if you've got topics that you'd like to hear on the next boomercast give us a shout in the in the contact section if you've got suggestions uh comments concerns anything give us a shout uh, of course we love itunes ratings um if you'd like to rate us and tell us what we're doing right wrong once again you know the contact section is or well contact section is the best way to go uh, comment section <laughs> alternatively um, but until next time this has been Dermacast number 57 and this is Gabe cheers Michael Prost <laughs>